Welcome to the Innovation and Compliance Podcast, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Join us every week as we talk with industry innovators who are making compliance to help business run more efficiently and at the end of the day, more profitably. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And today I have with me Lauren Sparks. Lauren has not only one of the most interesting stories, but she has one of the most interesting business ventures going. And I've wanted to have her on the pod for quite some time. And I've finally been able to schedule it with her. So Lauren, with that incredibly long-winded introduction, first of all, welcome. And thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Well, thanks for having me, Tom. You know, I guess we've known each other a while now from the compliance circle. So it's nice to be talking about this in a compliance circle. Indeed. So Lauren, we did meet because of your work in financial services, financial industry, anti-money laundering, ACAMs, and a wide variety of other compliance-related areas. But I was wondering if you could tell our listeners a little bit about your professional background. Sure, sure. I started out actually in a community bank right out of college. Worked there for a number of years, and then from that, took a progression into doing consulting for community banks. So not the big banks in town, but the the community banks that are really the sort of the fabric of the economy in big cities and small towns. And that took me all over Texas, Louisiana, Florida, a couple other states in the union over the years. And so for close to 37 years, I've been working with community banks. Through that journey, ended up founding mother of the Houston ACAMS group. So that's how we met or how we met most recently anyway. And whether it was money laundering or other types of regulatory compliance or risk management and community banks, that's what I've been up to for quite a while. Yeah, that changed a little bit recently or perhaps not really not so recently because you came up with one of the most exciting ideas I've heard of in the banking slash financial services industry in quite some time and it's Agility Bank. So could we start with where did this idea come from and why, at this point in time, did you got, you and your co-founders decide to start it? Well, I was just saying how much I've been in community banks my whole career. And, and most of the time, I've been the only woman in the boardroom dealing with risk, dealing with C-suite type issues, dealing with executive management decisions. And I'd noticed that. But a lot of this became much more plain the last few years, especially in the Houston market, where there's been a consolidation of community banks. And I saw things changing in the community bank environment where banks were being absorbed by larger institutions and women were never in the C-suite or in the equity position. And so women were sort of being left behind in that maturation of careers, as well as that whole process of being in the decision-making process in financial services in that continuum, which is community banks. So my own experience really, and being a business owner myself, really looking around me and seeing that it's not an easy road for a female business owner for a lot of reasons thought that it was an interesting time and a great idea to open a a woman-led, women-owned community bank here in Houston, Agility Bank. We filed our application on uh, March 31st of last year, right at the beginning of the pandemic. It was a deliberate decision to file despite the pandemic because we felt as though the bank we were building, which is tech-forward, a digital-leaning bank, it was a proof of concept for us the whole pandemic situation because the tech stack we're building works in this environment and is really sort of that community bank of the future, which was really what we're building. We've had really an interesting experience starting a bank during a pandemic, but there's a lot of other reasons that have led us to being convinced that this was the right thing to do. If you're a community bank person, you've probably heard conversations about they're dinosaurs, they're going away, there's no need for them, especially in the tech world with financial technology companies and fintechs 
taking over. So neo banks, things like Chime, which isn't a bank, but tries to be a bank and fintechs like Cabbage, online lenders, things like that, filling the financial services space in a different way than community banks do. And those fintechs like to say that community banks need to go away. But for me, I'm so fiercely passionate about community banks and the space that they do occupy in terms of fostering small and medium-sized business. That was another driver for me, that it really is about making the community bank of the future to foster those small and medium-sized businesses that need that. So Lauren, I've already heard sort of three, I think, innovations. Number one is the community bank market and fostering a financial institution for small and medium businesses. Number two, a woman-owned business and woman-led business, particularly in the financial services industry and banking. Industry number three, we're going to explore a little bit more, really the innovation and the delivery of banking services and the customer experience. There's been, I think, a fair amount of commentary on number two, which is bringing women into the boardroom, but you've taken that to a whole new level with really women-led bank. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. Sure. Well, if you look around you, all the community banks in town now are owned by men and run by men. So we're just the opposite of that. What it offers to us, though, is being a women-led, women-owned institution is a, a specific category of institution called a minority depository institution. And there's opportunities for us in that category of bank to have larger financial institutions as our partners, as well as large corporates. There's just so many opportunities with being a minority depository institution that for our shareholders, it's a fantastic opportunity. But even more than that, there is not currently a women-owned, women-led financial institution in the United States started for that reason. So while there are some women-led institutions, they're inherited or they're not women-owned. So we'll be the women-owned, women-led, really first of our kind in the market. And the reasons behind that have to do with the difference in perception that we bring to the table. I can tell you that one of the things I'm proudest of already is that within our organization, because we have different people at the table, because we bring different perspectives to the table, not only is our entire team overwhelmingly female, as you would expect and as would be required, but our team is overwhelmingly diverse as well. And we reflect really the diversity that is the city we're sitting in, Houston, which is one of the most diverse cities in the nation. For example, 25% of our employees are foreign born. And that really is the story of Houston as well. So the difference in perspective that we bring to running an organization is really, you can see in our, in our staff. And there's lots of metrics around women and the level of success that they bring to a corporation, whether they're on the board or they're in executive leadership, and specifically in banks themselves. There's actually a Fed study that shows that banks that have women in the boardroom have better compliance, imagine that, better risk management, and better financial results across the board. Let me go back to the first point you raised, which was the community bank aspect. I grew up in a small town, and we had several community banks. But the nature of what you're doing, having a community bank, as you characterized it, in one of the nations, I think the third or fourth largest city in America, and your target market of customers, how does the community bank and the community bank ethos that you grew up in help foster really moving small and medium-sized businesses forward? I think it's such a great question. Obviously, as you're, you're sort of saying, in the, in the smaller markets, it's so much clearer what the impact is. In a large market like Houston, there's still a tremendous impact in that community banks fill a space and do lending that the larger banks have backed away from. So whether you're one of the top three banks in the United States, 
your minimum loan dollar amount is becoming higher and higher because it takes a larger and larger loan for you to do that efficiently. In a community bank, and especially one that we're building with the technology we're putting together, we can do those smaller dollar loans and step into that gap that's currently in the market for small business especially, but also medium-sized business. I think after the PPP episodes of the past few months or year, and even specifically the first round for sure, we saw that the community banks or the smaller institutions were able to pivot, be responsive, be reactive, and help their customers with those payroll protection program loans when larger institutions either couldn't or wouldn't. So it it really was a time when community banks got some accolades and got to hopefully the public sees a little differentiation between Wall Street banks and community banks. One of the best phrases I heard coming out of the last year of the coronavirus health crisis was, we used to talk about disaster recovery, then we moved to business continuity, and now we're in business as usual. And it seems to me that that is exactly what I just heard you describe, really business as usual. We can pivot, we can move, we can move where our customers need, we can move where the government suggests help needs to be delivered in a way that larger institutions cannot. Would that be a fair characterization? Absolutely. It's, it's like, how long does it take to change the direction of a huge ship? When you're a smaller ship, you can be more agile, thus Agility Bank. We can make changes and react to things more quickly and adapt for our clients, which is really, I'm a business owner. So, so much about what we've built for the bank is about being on the client side of the desk. So more than just a checking account and really being able to adapt to circumstances and meeting the customer where they are, as opposed to always demanding that the client comes to the bank on the bank's terms. So we still have rules to follow. We still have to run our bank according to the rules and regulations and be compliant. But our approach has been since day one to really take the perspective of being a business bank because our role is to be a community bank that's a commercial focus, not a consumer bank focus. And we're really about small and medium-sized business and what that means in ever-changing markets. So by the same token, we, we don't expect to be entrenched in brick and mortar locations or sitting on every corner for a digital forward model, even though we have a location where people can come see us in a great area in Houston, but we expect to meet our clients where they need to be met. Now let me turn to the third thing that I heard you talk about, and frankly, is one of the most exciting things that I think Agility Bank brings, which is your innovative use of technology. And this is not back of the house, simply back of the house technology. We're complying with uh, laws as, as you've done your, in your entire career, but really a new customer experience or at least a different customer experience. I was wondering if you could talk about the innovations that Agility Bank will bring around the customer experience. Yes, that's really been a big focus. Again, as a business owner, I've always been frustrated by why do I have to spend an hour each way in traffic going to the bank? to sign a piece of paper. I have not understood that for the past several years when we all know that the technology exists for a different client experience. So what we're about is creating a low friction, high quality merger of technology and its advantages with what community banks do so well, which is drive a relationship with their clients. So we've not developed anything that we've coded from the ground up. That would be a little riskier than what we had an appetite for to start a new bank. But what we've done is we've stacked up some industry leaders in terms of solutions in what we've built for our clients. So we've partnered with fintechs. We're working with them to build something that's a touchless client service, a online banking self-serve model 
that can also be used, that same engine or same technology can also be used to serve our clients in person in our lobby location. It's really about the modern technology that already exists, using it in a unique and innovative way to make sure our clients don't have to sit in traffic. We can go to them to close a loan or take a loan application if they don't want to self-serve, which many of our younger clients like to self-serve. We can touch a button and have a FaceTime-like experience with our clients to talk about whatever is going on with them or whatever they need help with behind the firewall of the bank, as well as offering them all kinds of products and services that we think create a better relationship and, a, and that have a better understanding of what a small business owner especially faces when they're running their business. So we're not a consumer bank. I think you, if you've seen some consumer experiences yourself, or have you ever opened an account online for yourself, Tom? I have. You have. And if it's a consumer account, it takes a matter of minutes, right? And it's usually pretty easy. And what we're doing is just replicating a similar experience for a commercial client. I would add it's not as easy when it's a commercial account. No, it's much more difficult when it's a commercial account. But we've tried to put the the -the state-of-the-art partners to work for us and with us so that we can make that as easy as possible. I do think that some of our additional add-ons for for the small business customer, especially with an, an accounting software that's through the bank, that automates accounts receivable, speeds up the receivable time, which increases cash flow, which is king when you're a small business owner. I know this myself as well as the different ways of serving our clients, as I mentioned, with the FaceTime-like experience and chat, if you want that type of experience. We even have digital touchless lockers so that if we have to give something physically to you or you have to give us something physically, you can come 24-7 to the vestibule with your QR code and we can do a physical transfer between that locker and you don't have to do it when the lobby's open. You can do it on your timeline, not ours. So many things like that where we really try to build into our process that we're the business business owner's approach. And when we did some internal culture work and team building, we realized most of us are entrepreneurs. So our perspective is very different about what a bank should be. One other thing that was really neat that we're doing, and you had mentioned earlier about business as usual, still as a business owner, business resiliency is a big deal. So one of the things we're providing is some tools for our business owners for business resiliency. So that next time there's a freeze and you can't get to your office or there's a weather event and you can't get into your paper records, um, we're creating some digital safe deposit type storage tools for our clients so they have a business resiliency opportunity through their bank with their trusted partner, Agility Bank. Lauren, let me uh, maybe turn a little bit to into the future and ask you if you see uh, what you and your team at Agility Bank are doing as really uh, where banking will be in 2025 or, or even beyond. I absolutely believe wholeheartedly that that's where we are is posturing for the future. And one of the reasons we're not building or growing this brand or this bank through brick and mortar, but and have a different sense of what it takes to be available to our clients, which is digital, is because we need to always be prepared to spend our money on new technology we need for our clients. So a bank that's positioning for that ecosystem of the future is the bank of the future. The ecosystem we have in financial services today is very interesting. It's a mix of the old traditional, we hear and read a lot about digital assets and cryptocurrency and blockchain technology and all these things, which definitely have had an impact and will continue to have an impact. When you're a digital forward bank and you're positioning for the for the future, you're looking at that ecosystem and you're going to fit into that ecosystem, however that is required through the regulatory requirements. And certainly as a new bank, 
we're not the innovator out there on the bleeding edge, but we expect to be in that ecosystem to be competitive for our clients. So I think there's so much happening in the next five to 10 years, and we're just excited to be a part of what all that looks like. For me, the really fun part is how do you do all these really neat, cool things and still be in compliance? And that's what keeps me busy these days. Well, Lauren, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but I was wondering if our listeners wanted any more information on any of the topics we've talked about today and Agility Bank, where can they go? Well, there's always our website. Isn't that the best answer? www.agilitybanking.com. You can see my phone number and email address are on the website as lots of information about the bank and what we're up to. We're have gone through all of our regulatory milestones except the final one, which is capitalizing the bank to open in hopefully the next 30 to 60 days. So we're knee deep in that capital raise effort and so excited to be bringing a brand new type of bank with a brand new type of community bank ecosystem as well as community bank culture to the market is really this summer. We're very excited about it. So I welcome anyone to call me, email me, and I'd love to talk more about it. It's one of the most exciting things I've ever done in my life. Well, Lauren, I, I can't tell you how excited I am for you. I know this has been a great and roller coaster journey, but I'm so happy you're close to where you are now. And I'm really excited about all of the three major topics we talked about today. And I hope that after you open, I might be able to call upon you in the future to see how things are going. Oh, absolutely. And thanks a bunch, Tom. I really can't thank you enough for chatting with me today. It's something I love to do and have always enjoyed your podcast as well because of your sense of humor you bring to the table. So thank you. If you want to stay up to date on the latest innovations in compliance and help your business run more efficiently, subscribe to this podcast and help spread the word by leaving a review.